In this episode of Investors and Operators, I sit down with Jose Feliciano, co-founder and managing partner of Clear Lake Capital. We talk about his career, what's the difference between fund one version of him and fund six version, how his growing up influenced how he views philanthropy and charity today. We cover a lot of ground in this episode. I hope you like it. Awesome. Well, it's good to connect with you. And I'm glad that you saw Dan Lee beating me up on LinkedIn and that caught your eye. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Jose, I'd like to maybe turn over a little bit and actually rewind. Uh, At that speech in 2019, you were talking about growing up and on the weekends, you would drive two and a half hours to go see your grandma. And I was just wondering, what are some of these really important lessons growing up that you feel have shaped in a conscious way how you have grown Clear Lake? Yeah, great question. You know, and I, now you're going really back, and those are truly formative years uh, for me. But yeah, I think, I think there, were, there are a few things you know, that I still think about to this day uh, consistently and, and almost every day. You know, and one is you know, kind of helping others. You know, so from the very, ever since I can remember, right, you know, we, were, we didn't have a lot of wealth in our household. You know, we we're probably a middle class, uh, lower middle class family. But I always remember, you know, kind of my family always trying to help, uh, particularly my, my mom, you know, and, and we would all, she would always be, you know, sending checks uh, to XYZ nonprofit. And, and, you know, she would, when she saw the, the UNICEF commercial, uh, she immediately would, would pick up the phone or, or there were no websites at that point, but, you know, <laughs> get a, get the address and, and, and try to help. And the same with, you know, and, and, and that was broader, you know, people in the community, family, et cetera. So I think it was that context that even though we didn't have as much as others, we could help. So, so that's, I think, you know, kind of as a lesson that, you know, maybe a little bit linked to what discussion we just had with Twigo today. Obviously we have been very fortunate. I have been very fortunate to, to now have a lot more resources. And, but from the very beginning, ever since I can remember, there was that concept, right? You know, that, that you didn't have to have a lot to be able to share with others. And I think that's, that's something that I still carry with me. The other thing is that emphasis on education, right? You know, I, I, I truly believe that education, particularly in a country like the United States, you know, it's, it's an integral part of how we can bring people together and how people of all socioeconomic backgrounds can advance, right? You know, and I, and I think that the key to that is making sure that you know we have an opportunity, right? You know, to educate, to attend uh, not only high school but then college, perhaps you know postgraduate uh, education. And I and I, I do think uh, I, I I am a big believer in the fundamental uh, difference that that access to education and the ability to you know kind of gain knowledge. Sometimes, by the way, it doesn't have to be a traditional path. You know, I'm equally as passionate about, you know, kind of, for example, vocational kind of uh, studies or vocational uh, education where you're learning a trade or you're learning how to do something very, very well. Uh, but I think just knowledge and education uh, are, are fundamental. And, and from the very beginning of, you know, again, ever since I can remember, my family placed a very strict emphasis on, you know, kind of education and they made, you know, my parents made some big, big sacrifices so I could go to a private school back home and eventually get to Princeton, et cetera. So, so I think those are the two key things, you know, kind of that, that I remember. And obviously embedded in all that is kind of that kind of the love and appreciation for, 
for friends, family, but but I think those two things are, are, are you know, very vivid in my mind from very early on. So speaking of Princeton, at what point did you know that you were going to marry Kwanzaa? <laughs> so we have two divergent uh, stories, uh, origin stories uh, on, on, on that uh, on that front, but, uh, but we met early on uh, in my career at, at Princeton, and, and we were friends uh, for a very long time. Um, I would I would say that there was some something there. I mean, uh, we but we eventually actually started uh, more seriously going out after Princeton, and obviously we got married a few years later. So very uh, that, that was one of the uh, definitely key points of uh, the Princeton experience. What's it been like the dynamic of working with you and your wife throughout your career? Because you know, my wife for the past four years has supported me going along this entrepreneurial journey, and we're only four years deep. So I, I'm just curious to know kind of how you went through that and, you know, are coming out where you are now. You know, you started what, back in late 2006 with Clear Lake and have been through the ups mm-hmm. and the downs of known her since Princeton in, you know, mid 90s. But how have you made this work as a partnership and as a, that dynamic? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think um, starts, I think, with uh, with respect. It starts with you know, kind of respecting each other, not only intellectually, but uh, as human beings, and then establishing that connection. And I think you, you just mentioned it, right? You know, but the ability to go to be there for each other at various times, right? You know, we all go through different ups and downs and, and you know, careers, uh, you know, do have those ups and downs. You know, I know mine mine has, as she has pursued, you know, kind of her various entrepreneurial uh, ventures, you know, I think uh, I have tried to be supportive there as well. So I think I think it's kind of being there for each other, um, you know, and, and having that kind of uh, respect uh, for, for, for each other at all times. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's been a, it's been a great journey, uh, you know, and, and we have been life partners, if you will, for a very long time now. So, so I'm glad, you know, there were moments definitely in my career that, that were more difficult and, and more uncertain, you know, kind of, again, you know, applying to business school or, or going to uh, going through kind of the, the aftermath of the dot-com bubble. Um, so those are uh, starting clear, like, you know, that now obviously seems, uh, seems like a preordained that, you know, we will have grown this way, but it didn't feel that way back in uh, 08, 09, when we were going through the crisis. So, so in all those moments, right, you know, having somebody there for you that you respect and trust uh, and that you can call your life partner, you know, that's extremely important. I'm very thankful uh, for having Kwanzaa in my life. You know, on the, on the point about downs and mistakes, one of the things I noticed in that recent article, I think it was in Latino Leaders Magazine, is you were talking about there's a culture of um, being brutally honest and I actually have that Prince Bray Dahlia's book behind me. <laughs> um, but I, I was wondering, what are some points maybe in your professional career or personally that you just really had a big mistake? And how did you get through that? Were you as radically candid with yourself at that point? Um, but I'm just curious to know, like, what are maybe one or two things that were just really when you were down and how you got through that? Because I think so many people are experiencing this right now in the economy. They're just feeling down and they don't know what's on the other side or how to get through that. Well, look, I think, uh, you know, one that I talk pretty openly about is obviously my experience with GovWorks. And, and, and obviously, you know, we can argue about mistake or not a mistake. But it was certainly a very difficult time, right, you know, where 
as a company and, and myself uh, as, a, as a senior executive in the company, we were a startup, uh, we raised capital, we hired a lot of people. Um, and for whatever reason, right, you know, I think some of it were a lot of self-inflicted wounds in terms of strategy, in terms of what we were focusing on, in terms of how we were managing people and resources, uh, we ended up being not successful, right? You know, the company ended up having to reorganize in a period that in some ways feels like today, right? You know, obviously this pandemic has uh, triggered a, a, a downturn in the economy that's different than any other downturn that we have seen, obviously, uh, at the very least since 1918. But in many respects, right, you know, the effect in the real economy was somewhat similar. Um, you know, kind of uh, a lot of unemployment, access to credit, things like that became acute. And um, it was a very difficult time, not only to to experience that personally, uh, where you know we, the company was was going through a very tough time, eventually having to essentially sell, reorganize in a bankruptcy uh, uh, context. So, so very tough situation. But but it's really the personal, right? You know, kind of having to walk in the door or, or, you know, kind of sit in an office with people that were your friends and having to tell them, hey, we, we just don't have the resources and the company is essentially uh, downsizing and ba basically barely surviving, right? You know, and, and eventually, had, again, had to go through a reorganization bankruptcy in the bankruptcy context. So, so that was very, very difficult. Uh, but what came next was even more difficult, right? You know, the uncertainty that many people are feeling right now, not having a job, not knowing what to do, right? You know, for me, that meant that I, I moved here to California, not knowing what I was going to do. Where were you at? On a, was that in Boston? Uh, Gulf Wars was based out of New York. Uh, offices in a few places, but, you know, based out of New York City. Uh, it was part of that, you know, at that time, what people referred to affectionately as Silicon Alley. Uh, and we had, at one point, we were a fairly large company in, in the context of uh, New York City in, in the 1990s, uh, late 90s uh, startup world. So moved to LA and then had to, as I mentioned, rebuild, you know, kind of my network, um, really not knowing what I wanted to do. I decided to kind of go back to uh, kind of the fundamentals, which I know that a lot of people are doing right now as well. So, you know, what I found, you know, kind of after some process of exploring what I liked and didn't like, I did decide that, you know, kind of I had an engineering degree, but I didn't pursue that, you know, after school, I was an investment banker. So I, I pursued finance, tried my hand, obviously, in the internet uh, startup world. And I decided thinking about everything else in that context that I wanted to go back to finance and, and, and that was a true passion of mine. But it was very difficult. It was very difficult to find an opportunity. And I was lucky enough uh, that, that somebody gave me uh, an opportunity early on, you know, Michael Tenenbaum uh, at Tenenbaum Capital. Uh, and for that, I'm truly appreciative, right? You know, it was a very difficult time. There were not that many jobs. And, and I would say, you know, going, going, getting back to your kind of question and your premise about relating a little bit to what's going on right now, you know, one, I do feel like I have gone through that type of uncertainty, although this time is different. Uh, and the pandemic recession is also being exacerbated by, you know, quite a bit of social unrest and, and thinking about, you know, kind of traditional premises of society and, you know, how we think about racial justice and discrimination and things like that. So, 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 so there's another aspect of today's environment that was not there. But, but I would say, you know, folks that are going through this right now, I think it's important for, for people to be true to themselves, try to find what truly makes them tick, truly makes them, you know, what they're passionate about and pursue that, right? You know, even when at the, in the face of what looked like not so great odds, you know, and, and that's why it felt to me back then. And again, you know, I think there's an element of luck and, 
and good fortune, but but I think uh, there's a lot of work behind the scenes to get there, and I and I think that's uh, it, it's not it sounds a little cliche, but but I think that's a fundamental thing that people that you have to do to get through tough situations like this. So speaking of tough situations, started Clear Lake in 06 and going into an interesting economy. What is the difference between Fund One Jose versus Fund Six Jose? <laughs> and what <laughs> advice would you have for emerging managers? now well um so you're right you know so basically we started the firm in 06 we had we were lucky enough to partner with somebody that gave us some capital so we got in business fairly quickly but very but but then you know shortly thereafter the great recession came right you know and that was the true true test uh for clear like right you know we were in the midst of our first uh, fundraising for our first institutional fund meaning that you know we were going out for the first time to investors outside of our uh, seed investor and it was awful. It was a very difficult time. There was no capital anywhere. Uh, we we must have done hundreds of meetings, and particularly at the beginning of '09, you know, it was a time that we all kind of looked in the mirror, my partners and I, and we had to reflect whether or not this was something that we truly wanted to do. Uh, and there was real questions about whether or not the firm would survive. I think that you know it was just grit, perseverance, right? You know, we we put our head down, executed on the strategy that we told investors we, we were going to execute uh, on. And then by the end of 09, you know, kind of the world had stabilized and we were kind of emerging a little bit from, from the worst of it, right? You know, and, and we were able to demonstrate because of what we did in late 08 and beginning of 09 in the, at the, fun, in the fund context that we had a real strategy. There was some differentiation. There was some real kind of, you know, value drivers that we could bring to the table and that allowed us to, you know, raise additional capital and essentially gain uh, self-sufficiency, right? You know, we were able to to uh, get in business that way. Uh, we still, by the way, never reached uh, the targets for that fund, you know, our first institutional fund, fund two. So very difficult times. So we had to make sacrifices, right? You know, we have to make many sacrifices personally. We had to make sacrifices financially to to attract investors. We had to, uh, you know, offer uh, uh, preferred terms or preferred economics, as people call it. To a few investors, so we had to use kind of every every tool in the arsenal, if you will. But if you fast forward today, the, the environment has been a lot more, notwithstanding you know, kind of what the past four months. But the, the, the environment pre-COVID was a lot more benign. Uh, there was additional capital out there, but most importantly, right? You know, we now have a 14-year track record of uh, doing what we do, and demonstrated that you know our strategy is differentiated. That there are things that we do that I think other people are capabilities that we have that other people don't have. Perhaps as importantly, we now have 10 to 15-year relationships, right? You know, with some of our LPs, and 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 having that personal relationship of people, investors that have been with you for a long time and have seen you basically through the difficult times and the and the not so difficult times. I think that's very valuable because at the end of the day, this is a people business, you know, where uh, it, it, this business involves a lot of trust. You know, when an investor, an LP, a pension plan, an endowment, somebody that's a, a trustee or a fiduciary entrusts us clear like with capital, it typically is for a very long time, you know, typically 10 to 12 years. And doing that, you know, it's not only a contract to me, it's, it's really a, a, a social contract. It's really a, a, a trust, right? You know, a, a bond established uh, between us and that institution. I take that very seriously. So, so I think today, obviously, we have that track record. It has been, we have those relationships, and that has enabled us to raise capital a lot more efficiently. But we never remember those times. You know, we never, sorry, forget those times. You know, I always tell investors, and going back to even the GovWorks experience, the first time we raised capital at GovWorks, 
it was very easy, you know, because the environment was very benign and we were able to raise capital very, very quickly. The second time we were trying to raise capital, the dot-com bubble burst and we were not able to raise capital. So I always remember that, you know, Clear Lake has been the opposite, right? You know, the first uh, fund or two were a little bit more difficult because we didn't have that track record, we didn't have those relationships. You know, we have had a more efficient uh, uh, kind of fundraise, you know, in the latter funds, but I never forget, right, you know, that we're only here by virtue of, you know, the work that we have done, the relationships we have built, and the reputation and trust that we have established. And, 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 and the, particularly the last one, you can lose in a second, right, you know, that trust. So we try to establish that, very proud of what we have been able to accomplish, but, but I hope that we can accomplish a lot more and hope that we can continue to, you know, kind of provide our investors best-in-class returns because at the end of the day, you know, that's what we're here for. That's where our investors are, you know, investing with us, you know, to do that in a way that's obviously ethical, that's, in, 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 uh, that's consistent with our strategy, consistent with our values, but ultimately we have to deliver those returns and that's what we're trying to do. So I have two questions kind of remaining. One is when you look back at your first job with, you know, working at Goldman, what are some things that maybe you have gotten that has shaped the way that you lead a firm? And then my last question is, why do you do what you do? There are a few things that were fundamental uh, to being successful at Goldman. And, and many of those things at that point were about teamwork, about putting your clients interest first, about being kind of, you know, this was not on paper, but being, I'll, I'll say, quote unquote, long-term greedy, right? You know, kind of doing the right thing today because you felt that that would be ultimately the right thing, not only for, for your client, but ultimately for yourself. You know, sacrificing today will be to do your benefit in the very long term. And I still have, by the way, you know, there's still Goldman still has 14 principles that that are very fundamental to their culture and values. And I still have those printed uh, in my office. And I kind of go back to them sometimes, you know, kind of like at key moments of, uh, of Clear Lake's kind of evolution to as touch points almost, right? You know, what do I do? what I do, Listen, you know, fundamentally, I, I love what I do. I think, you know, there's a investing, particularly in the, in the private realm, is very intellectually fulfilling, right? You know, you're constantly learning. And I think that thirst for knowledge uh, is one of the fundamental attributes of good investors, you know, that having that natural curiosity of always asking why, right? You know, I think it even goes back to my background as an engineer, my educational background as an engineer, where you know, you're always trying to think about the why, think about, you know, kind of why things happen this a certain way, trying to find an explanation for things. But it, but, but, it, but it can be, you know, it doesn't have to be in that context. You don't have to use that engineering framework, but it's that idea that, you know, kind of asking why things happen or why things work the way they do is, is what we do as investors. Uh, and then we do have big documents around it. Do you huh? think that's the fundamental difference between fund two versus fund six version of you? Is that you're just better asking why and assessing things? I mean, what are the fundamental differences between fund two, fund six version, yeah. not managerial, not like, you know, like what's in terms of like the core things that drive what you do? So the intellectual curiosity, I think, was always there for me. But I think what I'm better at, you know, with now a little bit more gray hair, uh, a little bit more scars and broken bones, you know, a little more experience. So you're in this business long enough, it goes back to your question about, you know, kind of being brutally honest with yourself, but if you're in this business long enough, you're going to make mistakes. Um, and I think another fundamental premise of being a good investor is not only asking why, having that intellectual curiosity, but knowing what you don't know. You know, fundamentally accepting that there's some things um, that are 
unknowable and some things that are knowable but you don't know that much about them. Um, some things that you're good at and some things that you're not good at. And having that kind of introspection, right, you know, which only comes, by the way, with some experience, having made some mistakes, having actually tested what you're good at or not good at, right, you know, having, having come to a point where you understand what are the things that you do know and then the things that perhaps you don't understand or do not, do not know as well, that takes time. That, I think, is the beginning or the formation of what people call investment judgment. You know, what is investment judgment, right? You know, it's not a, it's not a magical thing that people are born with that, you know, magically they know this is a good investment, this is a bad investment. It's something that would come with time. You know, you, you, you understand pattern recognition. You understand, start understanding your own, you know, capabilities and organization. And I think, I think to me, that's a big, big difference between, you know, fund two and fund six, where, you know, in fund two, I felt that we were good investors, that I myself was a good investor, um, that I was asking the right questions, and I could find that great deal, right, you know. But fast forward to fund six, I still think that, but, you know, but I'm probably a lot more cognizant and a lot more focused and a lot more uh, introspective about, you know, kind of the things that we don't do, because for whatever reason, we have done them in the past and we haven't done them as well. Or, or for whatever reason, you know, we have elected to invest in other capabilities, right, you know, not, not in these. And again, really understanding yourself, which obviously, you know, could have broader <laughs> um, applications, not only in investing, but, you know, in life in general, it's really, it's really, really important. So understanding yourself as an individual, understanding yourself as a manager, as a leader, uh, understanding your organization the same way, right, you know. I think yeah, those are yeah. fundamental uh, differences between. Do, do you between, think that you, you know, knew what back in earlier version of you? Do you think that you knew intellectually what you needed to do, but now the decision-making process, not just to recognize but actually take action on it, is just much more efficient? And then you just know, like, this is what I have to do. I've seen it ten, twenty times. Is it that you knew the same thing now and then, but now you can just act faster on that? Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit of that. You know, I think uh, I think when you're forming kind of that investment judgment, right? You know, you're trying to discover these things, and some of it is instinctual. Some of it is, um, you know, a little bit of trial and error, right? You know, it's very easy to romanticize a little bit, right? You know, kind of and say, hey, you know, I was destined to do this, or I was great then. But 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 I think I think that that kind of chore changes really. Uh, the process, right? You know, you really have to understand and learn. And, and yes, I do think that today, you know, I can be a lot more efficient in terms of my decision making. The firm can be a lot more efficient in terms of that decision making because we have what we have tried to do over the years, all that that was organic at the beginning, right? You know, that may have been kind of, again, instinctual or we got to it by trial and error. What we have tried to do is through that process that you were alluding to before, being very um, intellectually honest of ourselves, kind of being introspective of ourselves, is we have tried to institutionalize that, memorialize that, you know, and, and that, you know, in our realm, translates to what we call OPS, which is this kind of operational framework that we have come up with, OPS stands for Operations People Strategy. But it's really, when you look at it, it's, you know, I tell my investors, right, you know, there's no rocket science, you know, I, I'm a mechanical and aerospace engineer, but there's no rocket science in OPS. It is really a set of best practices, a, 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 a way of trying to memorialize those lessons learned and trying to make then the process and our process and our, our system more repeatable. You know, and you hear that in investing, right? You know, kind of it's one thing to make one or two investments and do well or do badly, 
you know, there's an element of luck, there's an element of chance there. But then when you have a, a body of work over years and years and you're investing in funds and multiple companies, hopefully over time, if you have something that's systematic and repeatable, you're going to be able to outperform. You're going to be able to produce good returns. And that's, that's the quest. You know, that's the journey that we're still in, right? You know, I always tell people that we're still in the first or second or third inning uh, of, of really developing, you know, that process. And I think 20 years from now, if I do this, you know, and you interview me again, I think I'll say we're maybe in the fourth inning, but, but we're not near, anywhere near, you know, the end of the game because I think it's a continual, continuous learning, continuous improvement process. Well, we have covered a ton of ground in this <laughs> from growing up to fun six and a lot in between. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate your time with this. All right, awesome. Thank you so much. It was great to be with you. Thanks so much. Be safe. See ya. Bye-bye. Okay.